bless you. Hallelujah. You may be seated. You know, the Bible says friends are made for adversity, but that really comes from the heart of Christ. Isn't Christianity thrive during adversity? I mean, I was just thinking about uh, what we're going through as a nation, and it doesn't matter whether it's by few or by many, the worship in this place this morning was just amazing. And I, I went, God, you're just made for adversity. You know, church is made for adversity. Christianity's made for adversity. God has just, he, he thrives when the world is hurting. And the world never stops hurting. And so we're just so thankful the Lord is giving us the privilege and the honor and the, uh, the charge to be able to share his great story with everybody. I just want to give a shout out right now to all of those of you that are home right now listening to this message. In Jesus' name, everybody here says hi to you at home. Amen. Amen. We're all together in the Lord. You know, Jesus could heal without even going there, you know, so physically. He, he's there with them and with you, and we know you're uh, doing what the Lord has talked to you to do, and we're here doing what the Lord has talked, and we're all united in Jesus, as Tony said. I love that. I love that. You know, um, I am just marveling at the the grocery store response to this thing, are you? I mean, I couldn't believe the things that were missing from the shelves at Winco yesterday. I was just cracking up. I'm thinking, okay, why so many frozen turkey breasts gone? They're all gone, you know, and, and uh, all the cheeses were gone, everything from sharp. I found a mild cheddar. I was able to grab that. And I'm trying to think, okay, why is sharp cheese really important during this time? And but everybody obviously has just shoveled it in and taken it, and of course no toilet paper. But I did have an epiphany. You know, there's some really cheap hand paper towels out there that are so thin, they're like toilet paper thin. So, you know, think outside the box if you have to. I don't know. I'm just trying to give you some words of wisdom to help you through this time. I was thinking of the, the words panic and fear and how that God wants us to have peace in place of panic. He wants us to have praise during panic and that's what we had this morning I mean man that just fed my spirit this morning and then we've talked all week long heard all week long about the problems and I realized today we get to hear the promises and when you spend as much time on the promises as you do the problems it just puts everything in perspective doesn't it and it doesn't mean there aren't problems out there this is real it's not make-believe that that this thing is out there but I also thought of a, a couple thoughts in the scripture. One is um, when God told a king, the battle is not yours, it's mine. This morning, the battle is the Lord's. Because this one's too big for any one of us to fight off, really, you know. But the battle is the Lord's and to trust in him in that. The other thing I thought about is how God made his kids giant eaters. We, you know, in the scripture, you just find Joshua and Caleb. They just loved running into giants, you know. And, and Caleb took a mountain for the Lord, and it was full of giants. And he said, perhaps the Lord will give it to me. He's promised it to me. This is a promise. Me and my kin are going to go there, and perhaps the Lord will give us a mountain. There wasn't an arrogance. There wasn't a cockiness. It's perhaps God will be there. If God's there, we're going to eat the giants up. When the children of Israel first wanted to go into the promised land, they said, the giants, these inhabitants, will eat our children. And Caleb said, no, 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 no. We're not going to be their bread. They're going to be ours, and we're going to eat the giants. And Caleb did down the road. And then he had a descendant by the name of a little guy by the name of David. 
David was out of the same tribe as Caleb, and the day came when that little boy went after a giant, didn't he? And David killed Goliath. But I want to say this. David didn't go out assuming God was going to shoot lightning bolts and kill the Goliath. David actually washed his hands with sanitizer. <laughs> you know, he did wise thing. He took his rock and his sling. He knew God was going to use him in a practical way to kill the giant. Caleb, when he went into the mountain, took the best weapons that were at his disposal. He didn't go there empty-handed and say, God, I'm just going to pray, and I'll sit here, and you'll just, you know, drop rocks from heaven on all the giants. God uses us and uses our wisdom, and we step out in faith, and then God uses our five little stones, and it's enough. And so this morning, God wants to just slay the giants in our life at every level, and not to be afraid, but at the same time, be wise. And so we just love you for being here. We love you that are, that are home, that are listening, and that God's going to speak peace all across the board to this world through him. I'd like you to turn with me this morning to John 13. We're on a series titled The Royal Robe of Christ. I pushed my button, guys. It's not working. Susie, I forgot. Yeah, come on. Susie, my lovely assistant, Vanna Susie's going to put a... I tried to, I tried to tie this one-handed last week as you all laughed at me. And, okay, how's pastor going to do that? I kept switching hands like it was going to help, like I was going to throw one side up and then grab it with the other side. I couldn't figure it out and talk at the same time. Well, we talked about in a king's wardrobe is a robe, and it's, and it's usually purple or, or blue, and... Jesus wore the apron of service. He said, I did not come to have you serve me, but I came to serve you. And that's what the church is even doing today in the world through this whole thing. Is, is we, God wants to put us in a position of being servants to the world. How can we serve people in the midst of their panic and their fear? And when you have fear, to have faith instead. But to be able to have compassion and not be arrogant and stay humble in it and just say, God, how can we serve our world through this time? And it will, we will thrive with the gospel of Jesus Christ in this time. So we're talking about the royal robe. And in John 13, 1, I am taking this whole principle of service and being a servant leader, wearing the royal robe of Christ, from this story where Jesus, it was the last day he had with his disciples, had served them for three years literally teaching and training and discipling and it came down to the last night of his life and he makes a move here that is pretty amazing it blew their minds it, it wasn't expected from them before the Passover celebration Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and now he loved them to the very end it was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table. Okay, after those statements, because of those statements, he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them, with the towel he had around him. And then further on down in John 13, 15, it, Jesus says, I have given you, he came back after washing their feet and drying, he went back and changed back into his regular clothes and he came out and he says, I have given you an example to follow. Legacy Church, do as I have done to you. P. 
people of God do as Jesus has done in our life. Heavenly Father, we just pray over this word this morning that you would speak a word (laughs) into our lives that would revolutionize the way we think, would give us comfort in the midst of distress, would give us faith in the midst of fear, that, Father, your word would not return void but would perform (laughs) and proclaim your greatness in our lives and make a difference today. Father, let every ear hear what the Spirit is saying. And let there be a special word to everyone here. Holy Spirit, break down the word into every life here that it becomes relevant and applicable to their lives. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen, amen. Amen. So out of this lesson uh, from John 13, go to the next slide, guys. I think my little iPad got a little virus. (laughs) A servant leader. Uh, these are principles of the royal robe of Jesus out of John 13. And we had three lessons so far. Go to the next slide, guys. Out of the scripture, we find Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave. And out of that, we, we received um, the principle urgent apprenticeship. Jesus didn't wait to apprentice. He only had three years. And as a servant leader, we don't wait around until we're ready to leave the scene to think about, okay, now what do we do to pass it on? Good fathers, good administrators, good Uh, pastors, good mothers, you begin to train early, don't you? You don't have forever with your kids. You don't have forever with uh, your employment situation to pass on what you know. And a servant leader uh, uh, shares the wealth. They love to share what they know. Now, we fathers have to be careful not to lecture all the time because we always want to tell people what we know. But it's done in a tactful way where you invite people into your life. That's what Jesus did. Come follow me, he says, and I will make you fishers of men. And that's what he did. He apprenticed them to fish for people. Number two is the second part of that verse. He had loved his disciples during his ministry. He talked about love is the key. Whenever you minister, whenever you want to do anything for Jesus, it doesn't matter what it is. You want to work for the church. You want to just witness to your neighbor. Whatever it is, it's got to be driven out of a love for people. First off, a love for Jesus, and because we love Jesus, we want to love on his kids. If I love you dearly, you know I'm going to be madly in love with your children. I better be if I love you. And that's the way it is. If we love Jesus, we're going to love his children. And so love is the key through our ministry. It's easy to lose that focus. Yes, last week we talked about the verse where he says he loved them to the very end. And we talked about finishing the race. And I just want to reemphasize to everybody here, don't quit. We had a youth pastor say to us one time, he says, I'm going to give you two words that will change your life. Everybody get your pens ready and your pencils and write these two words down. And the whole message was on these two words, don't quit. There's something about that that helps you finish the race. Don't quit on your marriage. Don't quit on your service and love for Jesus. Don't quit the church. Don't quit on your kids. Don't quit on your parents. Don't quit. Don't quit. And in the middle of that, let the Holy Spirit guide you on what that means not to quit. Because you can't force people to come to church if your children aren't serving the Lord or your grandchildren, but you can pray, and prayer makes a difference. Just don't quit in prayer. Just give it to the Lord in prayer. A true servant leader taps the deepest source of his love, to finish the job that they start.
All right. That was verses 1. And now we're going to go on to verse 3 of John 13 for the fourth key to a servant leader. This next line in the scripture in verse 3, and A means the very start of the verse, of course, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. And then it says, and that he had come from God and would return to God. And then it says in the fourth verse, I believe, so because of these things, he was able to get up and take his ropes. You have to go back and look at this verse and say, what is it in this verse that drove Jesus to have the ability to serve when he was the top dog in the whole room? What, what allowed him to do that? What motivated him to do that? Because this is counterintuitive in the world. It's like he said, in the world, your leaders will lord it over you. They'll be superior to you, and they'll let you know that. And you serve them, and that's the way it is in the world. That's the way it is in every kingdom except for Jesus' kingdom. So what is it that turns our thinking and, and makes this counterintuitive move where we can be the leader and still come underneath and serve everybody? Well, it's this, these verses. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. Principle number four. Go ahead, guys. Principle number four, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. So let's interpret that in a message title today. Go ahead. Jesus was very secure in the Father's love. Would you agree with that? This phrase basically says that Jesus was secure in his Father's love. Man, what happens in a son's heart when his father gives him authority over everything in the father's life. You know, you can imagine what it'd be like to have a, let's say a, a father who had um, a financial kingdom, somebody in the United States that had a, a big company and his son reached a certain age and he says, son, I give you authority over everything here. What's that do in your heart? What's it doing in your mind, you know, depending on your relationship with your dad, of course, and what you think about his business, and that you actually want to maybe go into that business. But Jesus wanted to go into his father's business. And the Bible says Jesus knew in his heart that his father had given him authority over everything. Go to the next slide. So, so servant leaders are secure in the father's love. I think about um, if a man owned the Empire State Building, let's say. Let's say he had all authority over the Empire State Building. It wouldn't hurt his heart or make him second guess himself if he saw a piece of litter on the lobby floor. He'd walk right over. He'd pick it up, maybe figure out, okay, who's custodian around here? We need to have a talk. But he's going to throw it away. He might grab a mop if there's a spill. And, and he's secure because he owns the building. There's something about when you own the building, you can serve at any level. Now, mothers, you know that feeling. You serve the whole house. You have authority over that in a sense. So do the fathers. But maybe if the kids don't feel like it's their responsibility, that they have, you know, authority, maybe it's demeaning if they serve. 
Maybe at the workplace, if you don't have a piece of the business in your heart, it's demeaning if you serve in front of all the other laborers. There's something that gives you a security when the owner has given you all authority. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. So when a father gives authority over everything to a son, what happens to the son? And I've got my answer here. He walks around like he owns the place. And he's very secure in that. So he can mow the lawn at the house. He can wash the windows. It's not demeaning. It's his house. It's my things. When the Father has spoken a security into your life, go to the next slide, guys. When the Father has spoken a security into your life, you have blessed assurance. You're secure in the Father's love. You have great confidence. You even are forward thinking. You don't look over your shoulder. When people aren't secure, they look over their shoulder for what's coming next and they overanalyze what's going to happen with the pecking order. I, I remember as a principal, if we had to discipline an employee, my superintendent would say, so are the other employees looking over their shoulder? Because it causes an insecurity in the organization if something has to be corrected. We tried to do it right, but even if you did it 100% right, people lose some security there. Are you coming after them next? You lose your confidence. But when you are secure in the Father's love, you're forward-thinking. You don't look back. Your future is more secure. And what I do now is not going to threaten my future. You see, when we talk about secure versus insecurity, insecurity is a tormenting enemy. Insecurity is a tormenting enemy of bigness, of generosity, of true friendship, of one's capacity to leave, and it's an enemy of servant leadership. When you're insecure, it's very tough to serve. It's a threat it, it, because insecurity causes a fear, causes a doubt. So it's really important to understand something, that you're secure in the Father's love in the house of the Lord. If we're all secure in how much God loves us and that he's not withholding from you, it's easier to serve. It just is. Security is defined as having a strong sense of protection. Think about that. If you're secure in your father's love, you have a strong sense of protection. He's over you. You're safe from danger. You know he's guarding over you. You have a freedom from fear. You have no apprehension. You have a confidence of safety, and you have a certainty. Do you know who you are in Jesus? Are you secure in him? Do you understand that the Father wants to give us authority over everything? He says, I want to give you the keys to the kingdom. I want you to be a victorious overcomer over all the things in your life. You actually, when you gave your heart to Jesus, the Bible says you become a son and a daughter. When you become a son and a daughter of a king, what does that make you? You're no longer a servant. Jesus says, I don't treat you like servants, he says to his disciples, but I treat you like my friend. 
You're bigger, you're closer to me than that. You're like me, and I want you to act like me. I want you to be like me. I want you to reign on the earth like I reigned and moved on the earth. And I give you an example here that to be great in the kingdom of God, learn to be the servant of all. Proverbs 20, 28 says this. You don't have to turn there. It says, unfailing love and faithfulness protect the king. So think about being a servant leader. If you have an unfailing love and a faithfulness towards God, they will protect your position. Your leadership role isn't threatened because there's unfailing love and faithfulness in your life through Jesus. That person's position, their promotion, their throne is made secure through the love of the Father. Psalm 91, by the way, during this season of time, Psalm 91 is one of the most read psalms uh, among the Christian community. Verse 4 says this out of the uh, contemporary English version. David speaking, saying, He will spread his wings over you and keep you secure. <laughs> his faithfulness to you is like a shield or a city wall. Isn't that cool? That is so cool. Insecurity defined is a lack of feeling safe, a lack of confidence and uncertainty, a feeling of danger, increased sense of hazard, exposure to destruction, fear of loss. Think about being a leader and being insecure with these in the back of your mind. This is why it's hard if you're a leader, if you're leading a people, a tribe, a group, a family, if these are nattering in the back of your mind, you're feeling very insecure. You don't feel safe, you don't feel confident, you don't feel certain about what you're doing, you feel danger all the time. If I make the wrong move, I'm losing my position, I'm losing my job, I'm losing, I won't be pastor anymore in this house. If I have all these things in my heart, it makes me a non-servant leader. This is when leaders become autocratic and, and, and dictatorial. Now, some personalities are just strong, and they are certain. <laughs> and, and that doesn't mean they're dictatorial because they're so insecure. Sometimes they're very secure and just kind of, that's their philosophy, right? But Jesus wants our mind to come back to a place of security and a safety in the Father's love. This doesn't mean we can be lazy at work and do anything we want and the boss should keep us on. You still submit to your employer. But this insecurity, if it's in the heart of a leader, you will really fight to be a servant. It will be very, very hard to serve. Would you agree with that? Guys, go back to the title slide. I want to tell a little story. Secure in the Father's love. I have got to admit, there's, there's times, I don't know, I, I assume you think I appear confident many times, but as a rule... Growing up, I was very insecure in a lot of ways. So I really get it. I'm not preaching against anybody. I'm really preaching from experience here. One of the things that made me very insecure was my fear of man. I wanted to please people. And that's not always a bad thing. It's, it's in us to... See, God puts that in every child so that they'll please their parents. <laughs> try to please the teachers. Try to please those in authority. You don't want to disappoint and upset a police officer. You should want to please the police force. Those people in authority over your life, there's a natural thing that should fear disappointing them. And, but that can go amuck in a fallen world where we end up being afraid of what everybody else thinks 
except those that we should be afraid of and have a fear for. The Bible talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, 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 and that word fear is, actually means you're more concerned about what God thinks. You're more fearful of what God thinks than you are of what other people think. A, a fear of your father and mother can be a very wonderful, healthy thing. In fact, it needs to be there because you should be concerned more about what your parents think than, well, when I was growing up, my dad, uh, our dad, Rory's here in the audience, my other brother here, um, the two holiest of the family are here today. And um, <laughs> those who have the right doctrine, we got it all squared away. Anyway, uh, our father was a very strong force, German-Irish boxer, Navy guy, but he loved kids. And my dad had an influence on us our dad so influenced us with respect and a fear of his opinion that there was peer pressure on me but what was more of a pressure was my parent pressure when I went to school we had 1200 kids in school and my dad weighed more than all of them I don't know how he did that but I was more fearful of what my dad thought part of it was I was secure in my father's love he so loved us and showed us love and wrestled with us and made his, pulled his fingers. We did weird stuff with my father, and I and, uh, won't go into that, but my father had a way of endearing himself to his children, and I was so secure in my father's love that it, it made me secure at school in a lot of ways when other kids weren't secure. I w I, my father gave me a tremendous security in many ways, and I still wanted to please people, but there was always in the back of my mind disappointing dad. And the power of a father's love is amazing and how it can bring certainty into a young person's life. I was, we were at a dinner table. I don't know if Rory remembers this. I don't remember how old I was. I'm thinking I was in high school at some point. And my dad and I were just enough alike that he, he didn't agree with me as much as he should have. <laughs> you know how your dad can get, you know, he just gets kind of stubborn when you're right and he won't listen to you. And so I would argue with dad. And I remember one dad just getting frustrated. He just got, Doggone it, bub. He says, you're either going to be a preacher or a lawyer the way you argue around here, this house. And he was kind of disgusted, but you know what that did to me as a kid? I, I walked away from the table going, preacher or lawyer? Huh. That's who I'm going to be. Isn't that amazing? Dad had no idea. He just imprinted on me my future. And, of course, I was going to go be a lawyer because they make a lot more money and are more famous and people, you know. <laughs> so I was going to head that direction. I, I didn't think I was going to be a preacher. But then my heavenly father, when I was right out of college, spoke to me in a prophecy that still breaks me up. He said, my son, my son, you are a man of God. And you shall have a shepherd's heart. And you will have a love for the people. And, and basically, my Heavenly Father confirmed my father in the earth's voice. And I began to become very secure in the love of my fathers and when I'm supposed to be a minister. It gave me confidence. It didn't make me feel... I, I all, I've always had some insecurity in how good I was at being a pastor, but I knew my calling was sure. Why? I was secure in Father's love. Both my earthly father and my Heavenly Father confirmed the voice in my heart. And so when there were times I wanted to quit, 
there was a steadfastness in me because God had called me. Nobody else had. It wasn't my idea. I didn't want to do it. In fact, I was trying to be a lawyer, a business guy, or a professional football player, and all those pooped out. But anyway, I wanted to do this because I knew it was God's will for my life. And when you're secure in that, you can serve in it. And I remember as pastor, uh, our first pastor here, Pastor Everett, was training me in that ministry. He confirmed, he also was a spiritual father in my life, took that spiritual word I received from this pastor here and right there at that altar, and he invited me to his house, and he says, so what do you think about being a pastor? I said, what are you talking about? He goes, well, the Lord said you'd have a shepherd's heart. I go, yeah, isn't everybody supposed to have a good heart, you know? He says, no, no, no. Why would God give you a shepherd's heart if he didn't want you to be a shepherd? And my third father in my life, my spiritual father, Everett, Pastor Everett, spoke pastorally into my life, and I had a trifecta. So I became confident in that calling. Why? I was secure in Father's love all around me, my earthly father, my spiritual father, and my heavenly father. That generates a security in your life. So it's very important that you begin to seek out that affirmation in your life because it's there. God said, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you knock, I'll open the door to this thing. See, it's, it's very biblical that God wants you to feel secure in his love. You know, if he really wanted you to feel secure in his love, he'd put something in the Bible about his faithfulness is never ending, you know. For I so loved the world that I gave my best for you. I mean, those are words of affirmation that say you can be secure in your father. If, if we get insecure in our leadership, it will breed insecurity through your home, through your kids, through your small group, through your organization, and through your church. Insecure leaders breed insecurity. And God doesn't want you to pass that DNA on. In fact, there's a book called Tribe by a, a man by the name of Greg Godden, I think, is his name. And he states that people who want, the kind of people that people want to follow, they want to become a tribe member with you as their leader. They want to follow people who are generous and fearless or secure. People want to follow secure people. People secure in the Father's love breed security. Your children will feel more secure. And if you feel the Father's love in your life, you can pass that on to your children. And give them a security in your love. My, my dad never corrected me in a sense that said he hated me. He corrected me and it was very clear that he wanted me to be the best I could be. He wanted to do it for my betterment, not just because he was embarrassed by me. Dad had a way of embarrassing us, but we couldn't really embarrass him very easy. So that father's love... Listen to what King David says. It's kind of ironic that Jesus in his last message to the disciples preaches, you know, wash each other's feet, wash each other's feet. But Jesus was son of David. King David, this guy that killed Goliath, becomes king. And on his exiting message to Israel, he says this in 2 Samuel 23, beginning in verse 3. This is David now. This is the son of God. And I want to read this over your life because many of you here couldn't have had a father as good as I had. Some of you did. 
But the reality is in our world, fathers who affirm their children are way too rare, amen? Way too rare. And quit too easy on their family. That's too rampant across our nation. Father's loves are needed. But the beautiful thing is that God wants to put the fatherless into families. God takes those. In fact, if you want to know God's favorites in the Bible, it's widows and orphans. They are his absolute favorites. So you can begin to rejoice if you didn't have a good father. You had an absentee father. You're stepping to the front of God's line right now. Right now. Uh, Rory and I are way back here looking at you as you head to the Father's throne because God knows how to uh, give praise for the spirit of weariness and, and torment and hardship. And if you've had lack in your life, Jesus fills that hole in your life. And so I want to tell you right now that this is a prayer that I want to pray over you. Your Heavenly Father has made you number one in his life. I don't know how he does it. It's like he's God or something, and he makes every one of us feel like we're his most special one. And you are. In all reality, you are his. He would die for you. Oh, he already did. So he dies for you. He loves you so much. So listen to what David says here. Here's what David is affirming in his heart towards his heavenly father. The God of Israel spoke to me. The rock of Israel said to me, whoever rules people fairly... Those who rule with respect for God rather than a fear of man. All those servant leaders who lead this way. Do you know what you're like to everybody around you and everybody under you and everybody in your organization? You're like the morning light at dawn. You're like a morning without any clouds. You're like sunshine after a rain. That sounds like a song. Is that a song? Sunshine after the rain. All right. He's like sunshine after a rain that makes tender grass grow. So when you are a servant leader in your tribe, your group, your organization, your family, do you you realize that you're light in darkness to everybody in your group? That you're sunshine when they're raining? I mean, a lot of us came this morning and we were literally rained on, but this whole virus thing has rained on all of us. And this morning, it was like God just broke sunshine into our lives this morning, right in the middle of all this rain. The great servant, loving father. He's like sunshine after rain. You're a servant leader. You're like sunshine after rain that makes your children, your tender little sprouts grow in your home when you love and serve and are secure in the father's love. And from the ground up, the lowest people in your organization those tender new employees, those new students in your classroom, those little kindergartners, those teachers that are in their first year and you're their principal. When you're a servant leader, you breathe life into them from the ground up. And their little tender grass begins to grow under your leadership. Those are the kind of leaders. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they're the ones I want to be in control of this thing. They're the ones I want to inherit the earth. The meek shall inherit positions of authority is what that scripture means to me. God doesn't want the arrogant to lead. He wants meek to lead. And blessed are you if you're meek as a leader for you'll inherit authority. You'll inherit God's earth. He will give you authority over the earth because you have a heart to serve 
those children around you that are his. And David goes on and says this amazing scripture. And if you have your Bibles open and want to underline it or want to highlight on your phone or your iPad, David says this. He says, God made my family strong and what? (laughs) Wow. He made an agreement with me for about 12 minutes. No, he's very, David is secure in the Father's love, isn't he? God made an agreement with me and it was forever. God made sure this agreement was good and what? Secure in every way. Right now, to those of you that haven't had an earthly father, and even if you had a great earthly father, I want you to know something about your heavenly father. He has an agreement with you forever. God is making sure of this agreement. He's making it good and secure in every way in your life. So surely he will give me every victory, and this will blow your mind. He will give me everything I want. Now that's a father that wants to spoil you to pieces. Now remember the Bible says if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart, not the other way around. So what he's saying is if you understand my love for you and you're secure in my love and you begin to delight yourself in that security, begin to delight yourself in this relationship with me, I'll give you everything you want. Woo! Man, you can serve anybody at that, you know, of those wages. This is a beautiful thing. God is your heavenly father. You're at the front of his line because you didn't have the greatest earthly father or mother only puts you closer to the heavenly father's heart. My earthly and heavenly father made me secure in his love because Jesus knows that the father has given him authority over everything and because of that he was able to serve and wash feet. Right now, I'd like you to stand with me, and we'll have Sophia come up. I'm just going to pray a specific prayer over you, and then I'm going to have Tony close and cover some other areas in our lives this morning. But right now, if you have any kind of a father wound, you've come to the right place this morning. If there's a father lack in your life, you've come to the right place. God wants to give you a security of a father's love that will override every lack you've ever had in your life. So with every, if you just uh, would be willing, everybody put your hand on your heart if you would. You don't have to, but if you feel you can, would you just put your hand on your heart? And we're going to pray for everybody whose heart is missing a father's love this morning. For every heart that feels like they've been wronged by a father, by every heart that doesn't feel secure, from their parents and Jesus right now. Let your fatherly voice speak into every life. Let them hear your voice say, my son, my daughter, you are a man or woman of God. I have called you by name. I watched you when you were being formed in your mother's womb and I fashioned you after mine own life and character. You are mine, and you are secure in my love. Right now, in Jesus' name, just open up your heart to the Heavenly Father and receive the most secure feeling you'll ever feel in your life, the most comforting feeling you'll ever feel in your life, the safest feeling you'll feel in your life. And God will give you a confidence that you are loved 
In Jesus' name, we thank you for your love, Father. Let every heart feel your love today, Jesus. Let it just flood our hearts and fill all the gaps and turn on all the lights in the dark places. In Jesus' name. Let's sing this song as we close.